Last fall, I was in the planning stages to speak at a conference for a global medical manufacturer when one of the event planners casually mentioned the event's location, Tucson, Arizona. My first reaction was genuine excitement. My family had moved to Tucson from Mexico right after my eighth birthday, and I spent the majority of my childhood and adolescence there. This would be a great opportunity for me to literally come home at the top of my game and to see my dad, who I hadn't seen since the beginning of the pandemic. But frankly, Tucson doesn't have a lot of great memories for me. My early American childhood was filled with anxiety and dread and had transformed me into an anxious, awkward, unconfident kid. I constantly was looking over my shoulder, terrified to do or say or be anything wrong because anytime I did or said or was anything wrong, it didn't go well for me. Not only was I constantly picked on, but I had to navigate the journey of being in a foreign city, in a foreign country, primarily alone. You see, the schools near us were not just terrible, but they were dangerous. So my mom and dad, they worked jobs they didn't like, at hours they didn't like, to make enough money to send my brother and I to the top private schools in the area. My school was about 15 miles from where I lived. And in the world of poorly run, poorly scheduled public transportation, it was a crapshoot as to whether or not I would get home in 45 minutes or four hours. I would usually get stuck in the transfer station in downtown Tucson, which, there's no polite way to say this, was a dump. Downtown Tucson was dominated by abandoned buildings, pawn shops, questionable restaurants, and so many failing businesses. Well, not all businesses were failing. Some were thriving, but not the ones that you would consider legal in any way, shape, or form. There were many questionable individuals, oftentimes trying to recruit people into their questionable activities. So I walked. I walked all around downtown Tucson, a two and a half mile loop to avoid trouble. And I did it just to keep myself safe, secure, and out of trouble. And when I was of the right age, I kept myself out of trouble by getting my first job ever at the downtown Tucson Holiday Inn. It was not a job I got out of merit, but it was a job that I got as a favor from a family friend. My job was to set up banquet and conference rooms, and I was the youngest one on staff by nearly a decade, felt completely out of place and completely underqualified to be there. And my coworkers reminded of me of that fact every single day. And I don't blame them. I was an easy target and a young man of many contradictions. It was as if this internal rage was raging against the machine, my authentic personality trying to burst out while I was super, super reserved. I was also incredibly, incredibly intense, boxed into this persona that I had designed to be invisible, but I was anything but 
invisible. My rage, my frustration, my anger, all of my emotions exemplified themselves in my identity as a metalhead. I rocked rebellious long hair. I wore dark, oversized flannel shirts, and I ended every conversation with, rock on. (laughs) I don't know why I did that. I think it's because I thought that liking rock and roll would make me seem more American. But I was genuinely addicted to heavy metal and genuinely addicted to my Walkman. I thrashed in the unforgiven lands of Metallica. I sweat bullets in the mosh pits of Megadeth. I used my illusion and danced in the jungles of Guns N' Roses. And I voyaged past the mission, behind the prison tower, in the epically complex, equally rageful world of Tori Amos. (laughs) Mainly because I had the biggest crush on Tori Amos. Because even though I was incredibly intense, I was also an incredibly hopeless romantic. I could listen to an entire shred metal album and then write a poem to my crush describing in detail how said listening to this album made me think of you and only amplified my feelings for you, my love. My romantic intentions were usually met with immediate rejection and ridicule. In Tucson, I was somehow too much and not enough, over the top and falling short. Shocking, but forgettable. So my next reaction to the news that I would be speaking there was fear. I genuinely dreaded that being there would bring up too many painful memories that I did not want to revisit or relive. When I arrived in Tucson in March of this year, my first impression was that the town had not changed at all. It was as if somebody had hit the pause button when I left 20 years ago and hit the unpause button when I came back. I delivered my keynote to a great conference, a great event, And I left the event feeling energized, but also ready to refresh. I'd booked a small Airbnb in downtown Tucson, more for convenience than for nostalgia's sake. And as I'm driving into downtown Tucson, I see the great Holiday Inn completely abandoned. The whole building was fenced up, and every single, every single window of that building was boarded up. And somehow, it had this weird 1960s pinkish pastel paint job 
somehow this hotel had only not survived, but had regressed in time. <laughs> and it was that particular moment when my sneaky, self-sabotaging brain decided it would be a good moment to whisper this thought into existence. Hey, so if Tucson hasn't changed, have you? Aren't you still the same too much and not enough kid you were when you lived here? Isn't this hotel just a reflection of your career and your life? I got settled in my Airbnb and decided to venture out and see how far my brain would take this metaphor. I walked out the front door, turned the corner to the main street, and was instantly discombobulated. I knew where I was. I had walked these streets hundreds of times before, but I had no idea where I was. On the corner, where those questionable individuals would try to recruit you into questionable activities, on that corner was a yoga studio. <laughs> the bar, you all know the bar. The bar is the bar that every college town has that you only go to if you know you've lost all hope, dignity, self-respect. That bar? That bar was an artesian craft brewery. <laughs> there were high-end restaurants, bookstores, antique shops, so many different theaters, art galleries, comedy clubs, CrossFit gyms. There were so many thriving legal businesses. <laughs> the place had completely transformed and it was a place that was undeniable and in your face. There were building-sized murals everywhere and street art everywhere, individual expressions of communal unity. And it was a place of romance. It was a random Tuesday in the middle of March, but I saw couples of all genders walking hand in hand, leaning in a little closer as they shared a meal and a beverage. And it was a place of pride. I walked by a sign that said, welcome to the best 23 miles of Mexican food in the United States. Whoo! One, challenge accepted. <laughs> Two, this sign didn't surprise me. Back in COVID, when everything was shut down, my love and I, we became addicted to the reality television show, Top Chef. And a recent season featured a chef who owned Boca Tacos, located in Tucson, Arizona. I had arranged my dad to meet me there. I had not seen him in years, and I wanted to plan something unique and special to him. 
As a kid, we never went out to restaurants, not just because it was a financial constraint, but because my dad believed that he could make any meal better than any restaurant. <laughs> and he was right. Anytime we did eat anywhere other than our home, he would take the recipe and make it with significant improvements. But that day at Boca Tacos, he took one bite of his meal, shook his head in disbelief, and said, I cannot make that. He was so impressed, and I was so proud of where I've come from. Later that evening, I put on my headphones and decided to take the same two and a half mile walk that I would take as a kid. It was the strangest experience. I spent the majority of my life trying to outrun the version of me that came from Tucson the one that felt out of place, the one that felt embarrassed by his passions and intensity, the one that felt underqualified for every job I've ever had. But my brain was right. I hadn't changed. The same fears and desires I had there then, I have here now. And that's a really, really good thing. Because it was those qualities that I was trying to outrun that not only make me me, but make me successful at what I do. Because it wasn't lost on me as I walked by the old Holiday Inn that my first job was setting up banquet and conference rooms and my job now is speaking at said banquet and conference rooms. I spent most of my life trying to change myself, trying to prove myself as a legitimate member of a community and ultimately as a legitimate member of this country. And I took a trip back to Tucson, Arizona to realize change comes best when I don't change anything at all. And I just come home to myself. Thank you and...